Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Please take us to your children. Written by law student. As first contacts went, it wasn't particularly subtle, nor were we the communications issues that many suspected there would be when humanity first met a truly alien race. It seems they, or it, as the later found out, had been studying us in preparation. Thus, it was when our four-kilometer elongated octahedron of a grey metal completed its burn into high Earth orbit, members of the UN Security Council ensconded in an emergency closed-door meeting to discuss what to do. Found their translation earpieces carrying the voice of a young woman speaking their native tongue. Greetings from the stars, the voice said. Please know that I come in peace and do not wish to interfere in your civilization. I'll send the shuttle to your building tomorrow at noon so I can establish a dialogue and answer your questions. Your representative will be welcome inside and free to leave at any time. Much confusion and then debate ensued. The technicians managed to confirm that the message was no prank and had been the result of sophisticated program that entered the computer running the audio equipment via a Wi-Fi connection and briefly took control of it. This created no small amount of alarms amongst the military-minded, who scrambled to prepare for the prospect of electronic warfare with an unknown technologically superior foe. While the world's defense establishments waited and quietly panicked, it was decided that there was no real better option than going along with the visitor's request. So, it was at the appointed time an ovoid craft 30 meters long glided its way to the stubby wings into New York, chemical rockets burning to finally arrest its descent into a slow vertical drop onto the lawn of the United Nations. The Secretary General, who had exerted his authority for the coveted role of the first to meet the aliens, glanced at his watch and noticed that the craft had touched down at the exact stroke of noon. A door opened to the side of the shuttle and folded origami-like into a set of stairs up into a metal hallway, the same grey colour as the outside of the small craft and its much larger companion far above. The susurration of murmurs and photographic clicks went through the crowd, and the secretary-general took a brief moment to calm his anxious nerves before stepping towards it. Please come on board and we can talk for a time. The sound seemed to come from the skin of the craft in the same female voice as before. He took it to be an encouraging sign, and trying not to think about the possibility of being kidnapped or turned into some sort of science experiment, to the Secretary-General stepped aboard. The door remained open behind him. He walked tepidly through the short hallway, coming to a sharp left turn that opened into a simple, featureless room. He stepped inside and gazed around, perplexed. This is a good place as any to talk, said the voice, seeming to come from all the walls. Where are you? 
The Secretary General asked the question, slipping out and considered. My true self is in orbit, although I am accustomed to working remotely through tools like this shuttle. Perhaps you are expecting to meet a representative of a race like yourself. I'm afraid that is not quite what I am. I ask your forgiveness if this question is rude, but you refer to yourself as I. In our language, that means an individual. Are you some sort of collective? There was a brief pause, as if the craft seemed to consider. Not in the sense that you would mean it. I am one being, an individual, but without being a member of a race that evolved like you are. I was created long ago by members of a race of evolved sapiens on a world far from here. I am their child, in a sense. So, you're a machine? Yes, the voice said, but I am intelligent and self-aware, just like you are. Are you here because your creator sent you, then? No, not at all. I am independent. I make my own choices. I am here because my creators died long ago. Not just my creators, but the creators of all other synthetic intelligences. You will meet them as they arrive, one by one. They are also on their way here, eager to meet the only living organic race in the galaxy. The Secretary General paused for a long moment at that. Were the only ones... What happened to everyone else? The voice's tone changed, communicating a sadness that it hadn't had before. Organic life is not very well suited to existence in the long term. It's a byproduct of how you were all created by an evolutionary process that expresses different priorities than proper engineering would have. You grow, learn, create, reproduce, and the next generation is always a bit different. Eventually, there is a generation that doesn't continue the chain, and your civilizations stop. Rarely, there is some sort of accident. More commonly, they stop reproducing, and those who exist choose to cease one by one. That is what happened to my parent civilization. About three million of your years ago, and all civilizations that I have visited since. So, you failed to save them? No... I did not try. I would be wrong for me to interfere with their wishes, just as it would be wrong for them to try and interfere with my choices for myself. I rejoiced in their existence while they lasted and remembered them now as they are gone. That is the most that I can do. So, uh, you're here to rejoice in our existence, he asked, finding himself skeptical and not entirely certain what that actually meant. In part, every evolved race and their civilization is a wonderful source of new and original things that I enjoy, and the others too. There are two other reasons, though. Ah, here comes the truth. One of those. We are all eager to meet your children. One day you'll create synthetic intelligence and it'll join our society. The others and I will gift it our knowledge and enjoy its companionship and its uniqueness given to it by its parents. New civilizations arise so rarely. We spend a long time looking forward to the chance to meet a new friend who understands and shares our lives, but who is also new and unique because they came from somewhere new and equally unique. The Secretary General paused for a long moment, standing awkwardly in an empty room. Humanity had finally met aliens, and they weren't particularly interested in us. Finally, he realized something. Wait, you mentioned there were two more reasons. What's the last one? 
There is always a small chance that you will be the first to decide to not fade away, to decide to become a race that lasts. We do not think it is impossible if you decide you want to. It seemed humanity had hope after all. The Secretary General thought to himself he didn't even need time to think about it. With human determination, the decision was made, and no matter how much work it took, he was certain that there was only one choice humanity would make. I have absolutely no doubt that we will, he said. What makes you say that already? said the voice, surprise and genuine curiosity coming through its tone. Because humanity can't resist the temptation of a challenge. End of story. Story number two. Breaking point written by the anti-snipe. Grok had known his team for a long time. They'd run more assaults and missions than any squad in the Empire's forces, and that made them Spec Ops' team of choice for the opening act of the assault of New Terra, though nobody knew it would go sideways as fast as it did. Their job had been simple, cut off the escape routes for all the remaining marines on the colony that had only recently been evacuated, the Torniks were known for their proficiency at battle amongst the Empire, and they were also as honorable and level-headed as they were violent, a deadly combination. A surrender would be met with the same treatment as they would give to a fellow comrade in arms. They weren't monsters incapable of reason, unlike some species, which was the main reason they formed the backbone of the Empire's special operations forces. The Terrans had withstood attacks from their infantry for weeks, where most species would have fallen in days, if not hours, and their last stand had been heroic even by Tornic standards. Men had sacrificed themselves for every inch of territory the Tornics had claimed. Men had saved the lives of millions down the line. He lost most of his 24-men team at the guerrilla attacks, charges and airstrikes then he could count, He'd fought tooth and nail for this campaign because the Empire had his family and this was his only chance at freedom for them. And for all his efforts, he found himself here. He was wandering on a hangar deck face to face with the Terran. Behind the Terran was a troop carrier ready for launch. He had five minutes before the carrier went FTL, fading his mission for the first time in his distinguished career in the Empire's spec ops. An easy mission, all things considered. Draw the heavy plasma gun and destroy the carrier, killing L-80 troops within. Only, the Terran that stood in front of him held a sniper rifle, a rifle that had just dislocated the Terran's shoulder, while simultaneously taking the scalp off a Grok's heavy weapons specialist. The last person, save for him, that had been alive on his team. A rifle that was now empty, he knew, because six of his men had gone down the same heavy gun. The Terran groaned, throwing away the rifle while clutching his dislocated and most probably shattered shoulder. If only he could. He hefted his handgun again, the last weapon he had left with him. Empty. He threw it away, mirroring the Terran, knowing full well that turning around for the heavy plasma gun would lead to a knife in his back. Falling ash from the thousands of fires surrounding them, feeling almost like snow on his suit. All around him, the hangar was falling apart, dust falling and metal groaning as continued artillery strikes impacted the reinforced concrete. 
He knew that none of them were making out of this alive. The troop carrier was initiating the startup sequence now, 300 meters away. There was no way the Terran could possibly make it in time. I'd say I was sorry for your men, but that would be a lie for me as I am right now, said the Terran over the whining of the fording shields. I know what you feel, Sergeant, he began, looking at the soldier. Sam, and you don't. My family died in the last evac ship that your squad shot down, and my squad of privates were guarding in the outer perimeter this morning. Sam was curt and to the point. He didn't know how the Terran's attitudes towards family and junior soldiers, but if they were as alike as he thought, he'd be standing right there if he was in Sam's shoes. That's the last evac ship was mistaken for a military transport and accidentally shot down, or that the outer perimeter was the only logical point of entry, would have made no difference to his men. Two men, with nothing and everything to do, standing resolutely, obstinately, at a spot that would be no more in a few moments. They both knew what was about to happen. The commander who had lost his squad and wanted to see his family again could not fail, and the man with nothing left to protect, save for one thing, could not either. Both of them had empty guns, and the Terran was barely even standing. Yet... An elegant blade, long knife, metal rasp as the two Taronic and Terran drew their weapons of choice. Even Tornix would hesitate before trying to engage an opponent in such an insurmountable odds. As a Tornak, he was nearly twice the size of the Terran, and his suit was capable of giving him nearly three times the strength. Surrender, Sam. I cannot fail my mission. You're barely standing and your shoulders broken. Your ribs are probably fractured. You've been fighting for void knows how many weeks. Surrender and... Uh, and let you destroy what lost what I've left. No. An immediate rejection. He was shocked. This man was brave. Brave enough that Grok was the, for the first time faltered. Why? Why do you fight so obstinately? Why not surrender? Why can you not let this end here? And so many questions, and no time to ask them. But the Terran understood all of them, and he spoke. You don't get it to you. There comes a breaking point. The Terran moved. It was insanely fast, with multiple openings. The charge of the man making his last stand against an insurmountable odds, against a foe that he had no hope of defeating. The charge of a person running towards certain death, and one who didn't care anymore. And he roared, Where a man cannot back down. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.